Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Where To Go. I'm James Atkinson, Senior Brand Manager at DKI Witness. And I'm Zoe Rutland, Senior Editor at DKI Witness. Welcome to Where To Go, where every fortnight we find out more about the world's favourite travel destinations with the people who know those places best. And Zoe, first time mm. hosting. Yes, first time. Yep. My foray into hosting. It's great to have you join us. Yeah, great to be here. And we explained a little bit, listener, that during this season, we're gonna you're going to hear a couple of different voices from the DKI Witness team preparing for the moment when uh, <laughs> me and Lucy have to take a little bit of time off. But Zoe, um, I've wanted to, you to host for quite a long time now, so it's oh. great to have you on. And um, I believe this episode is going to be quite close to a project you're working on at the minute right yeah so i'm currently working on an update to our second edition to be more japan yes. so I've, I've got good grounding but i'll learn a lot from this um yeah i'm excited yeah so um if you didn't take from that where we're going to this episode <laughs> <laughs> we're going to japan big surprise it's very exciting um i've never actually been i've always wanted to go very yeah. much top of my bucket list um how about you zoe yeah never been exactly the same top of my bucket list yeah so much there yeah so i mean and it's gonna be really tricky to get everything about japan into one podcast episode yeah highly recommend looking up for the new edition of to be more japan in march next year yeah publishes in march our guest today is todd fong so todd has worked uh is working with you right now on updating that book yeah and he's an expert in all things japan yeah so should we get to it yeah let's get into it so born and raised in the san francisco bay area todd fong is a japan-based travel writer photographer editor and creative consultant recently he has been hard at work with us at DKI Witness updating our beautiful book Be More Japan. So new to the Where to Go podcast, welcome Todd. Hello. Hello, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Hi Todd, great to see you. Thank you. So as usual, we're going to begin with learning a little bit more about our guest Todd, followed by his all-important recommendations of where to go and insider knowledge of Japan. And finally, we'll hear his advice for planning the perfect trip. So Todd, you've been you've been living in Tokyo since 2014. Can you tell us a little bit about what brought you to the city initially? Sure. I first came to Tokyo uh, 
actually to do some work with a Japanese Christian church. But about five years ago, I was offered、uh, some freelance opportunities to do some travel writing and photography for an English speaking audience.、Um, and that opportunity has really given me the chance to explore Japan in a really deep way.、Um, uh, maybe I've seen more of Japan than many、uh, local Japanese people have. And、uh, it's been a real privilege to do that. Oh, amazing. Yeah, what a country to explore as well. And what's kind of made you stay since then? Travel writing and、uh, traveling keeps me busy about six months of the year. And I do some other work、uh, for the company that I'm working with as well in the off season. I think part of the reason that、uh, we stay are, are the same reasons that many people who come to Japan to live stay.、Mm -hmm. It's a country that has a great infrastructure. There's just a feeling of,、mm. of safety、uh, living in Japan.、Uh, of course, Japan has tremendously good food. And the people, the,、yeah. the people of Japan are just really wonderful people. But I'm also driven by, by a curiosity, a really intense curiosity about Japan,、uh, about its rich history、mm. and, and culture. And、uh, as I think, as long as there's places I haven't been in Japan,、uh, places that、uh, I, I want to see, Um, I'm just never going to want to leave. It's just、uh, that kind of place for me. Yeah, of course. That makes sense. How did you find the transition from the US? Were you able to assimilate quickly and find a community in Japan? Well, to be honest, I think Japan can be、uh, difficult to adapt to、um, for Americans.、Mm. And particularly if you, you're coming、mm. to a large city like Tokyo, which, like many large cities in the world, Uh, it can feel a bit cold and maybe difficult to, to make connections、yeah. initially.、Um, and especially if you're, you're an introvert like I am, making a,、yeah. a meaningful relationship, s I think, takes, takes some time.、Mm. Fortunately for us,、uh, we, we had a kind of instant community through the Christian church that we were connected with here in Tokyo.、Um, and also,、mm. I had、uh, made some online friendships with some Japanese photographers through a, a website. And、uh, mm. almost as soon as we got here,、uh, we met up and started to do things together. And so I, I had that community as well, which I think was very helpful for the transition. And did you experience any culture shocks when you moved over as well? Was there anything that kind <laughs> of completely surprised you about Japan? Well, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of culture,、uh, American culture and Japanese culture are. are Almost polar opposites. I mean, if, if, we, if we think about you know, your stereotypical American,、um, we're pretty brash and uh, very uh,、yeah. individualistic, whereas、uh, the Japanese are much more reserved and、uh, really considerate、mm -hmm. about how they impact、uh, the people around them. And so I think. After 10 years here, I really notice the differences a lot more. For example, if I'm riding the train here in Tokyo,、uh, when you get on the train, it's very quiet. And that's because Japanese people,、mm. they don't tend to, to speak on, on the train. They don't talk on their phones. They talk quietly to each other if they need to talk to each other. So when like, a group of American tourists boards the train, like, I can hear them like, <laughs> from one end of the train to the other. And so I might say something to my wife like, you know, Americans are really loud. And,、uh, and my wife will say, you know, you, you said that pretty loud too.、Yeah. <laughs> so I'm still adapting, still adapting to the culture here. Yeah. Thank you for introducing us, Todd.、Uh, we're going to move on to your best things to do.
kick things off, Todd, we're going to ask you to give us a quick fire tour of Japan. So we're going to name a few categories and you have to suggest just one thing to do for each category. Are you ready? Ready. Great. So first things, what's your favorite view? I'm going to say、uh, the view of the Seto Inland Sea, which is the、uh, sea between Japan's main island of Honshu and the smaller island of Shikoku. Oh. It's really quite a, a breathtaking view.、Uh, if you can imagine this calm blue sea、uh, that's、mm-hmm. dotted with hundreds of small islands, and some of these islands are connected、uh, by these beautifully designed bridges、uh, that connect、mm. uh, Shikoku with the, the main island. And I think one of the best ways to see this view is、uh, by cycling、um, on the、mm-hmm. Shimanami Kaido. Uh, which uh, connects the city of Onomichi in Hiroshima Prefecture and Imabari、uh, in Ehime Prefecture on Shikoku Island. And、uh, it's about a 70 kilometer cycling、uh, ride. And it's, it's probably best done in two days to enjoy it. And there are plenty、mm-hmm. of、uh, modest accommodations where you can stay along the cycling route. And、uh, it's just、nice. really an enjoyable、uh, journey. Sounds lovely. We're all for scenic journeys here at DK Witness. <laughs> Absolutely. And all for cycling journeys, too. So,、um, moving on. And this might be a very, very tricky one, Todd. I'm going to allow you to have two options of this <laughs> if you want, but your favorite thing to eat. Yeah, I, I always get asked this, and it's always so difficult, but I, I think I'm going to default back to、uh, what my favorite was when I, when I first arrived, and I'm going to say ramen. Yes, of course. <laughs>、yeah. Of course. The reason、done. why I say ramen is、um, ramen, there's just so many different types of ramen and、uh, so many shops. In, in Tokyo alone,、mm. there are over 10,000 ramen shops. And there's,、wow. there's actually a magazine、uh, called Ramen Walker, which is dedicated <laughs> to ramen aficionados to help them find the best spots. And so. That's amazing. <laughs> That's, that's the extent of,、uh, of ramen in, in Tokyo. It really bothers me when、uh, we have friends visiting from America and they go out to eat ramen and they, they choose these chain stores, which they have shops、mm-hmm. already available in America. And it's like, why did you do that? You know, there's just so yeah, many yeah. ramen shops you could choose in, in Tokyo. Tokyo alone、uh, has three Michelin starred. Ramen shops,、uh, the only three in the world. Wow. And then there are, of course, so many different types of, of broths. There's the、uh, shoyu、yeah. soy sauce,、uh, shio salt, uh, tonkotsu uh, pork broth, there's miso,、uh, and there's many styles of, of noodles, the thin ones, the wavy noodles,、mm. Uh, mm. thicker noodles. And there's even noodles that you dip、uh, in sauce called、uh, tsukemen, which is actually a very、mm. popular way to eat ramen in the summer. So I'm going to allow you to, I'm sort of going to do a special version of this quick, quick, quick fire round just for you, Todd, and ask you if you can name just one ramen you should, be, you should <laughs> eat in Japan. Just one ramen. Yeah, it can be, it can be one, one particular ramen in one particular place. Wow.、Mm. <laughs> this, is, this is a tough one. So, there, there was a favorite shop that I had、uh, out on the, the coast in Chiba Prefecture. It was run by、uh, a guy who really enjoyed surfing. Oh, cool. And the broth was, I want to say it was a, a pork based broth, but it, it was、uh, flavored with asadi clams, which are these little clams. And the flavor was just、oh, so、wow. rich. And、mm-hmm. the, the broth was,、uh, it was a milky color、uh, from the pork. 
But the trouble with this particular restaurant was that the guy liked to surf so much, he was rarely <laughs> at the restaurant to make the ramen. So we would drop by the restaurant and it would be closed and we would never know when he was going to be there. So it was always hit or miss. So you just have to watch the waves yeah, see, if, right. see if he's out there let's so, say come on haven't been out there in a while but i still dream of that place because he made such a great uh ramen oh it's nearly lunchtime here i know it, <laughs> yeah I, I can speak for us all and say that we're very hungry now <laughs> so moving on to drinking todd what's your favorite thing to drink okay well i'm actually not able to drink a lot myself i, I get the asian mm. flesh quite easily <laughs> It can be, we can do soft drinks or, you know. Well, you know, I'm I'm sure many of your listeners enjoy a nice uh, adult beverage. So so I'm going to go with uh, Japanese craft gin, actually. Mm. So gin, gin distilling, uh, it's it's quite a a recent development, I think, in Japan. It's it's Mm. become popular perhaps on the on the heels of the success of of Japanese whiskey. Mm. And mm. so uh, we're seeing a lot of gin distilleries uh, popping up all over the country, as well as whiskey distilleries that are adding gin mm. to their product lineups. And one of the, the wonderful things about uh, Japanese craft gin is that many of the companies are, are really putting their own spin on the gins. They're, they're using uh, very unique botanicals. So uh, I just got back from Hiroshima last week and I visited uh, Sakurao distillery okay. in Hiroshima City. And they uh, they have a gin where they're using 17 different botanicals that are distinct to the Hiroshima area. Wow, that's great. Oh, wow. It's really amazing uh, what they're doing there. And they, they are also using a plant. I think your listeners might be familiar with the UNESCO World Heritage Site, uh, Miyajima Island. Mm. Uh, it mm. has a famous shrine on it. Yeah. And so they, they're using this plant uh, that grows... Uh, on this island and that they've been using to make uh, incense uh, for hundreds of years. And so if you come to Japan, you know, and you're a gin lover, I think you can really discover Mm -hmm. some unique forms of gin. uh, And and I encourage people to come and try them out. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Fantastic answer, Todd. I had no idea at all that gin (laughs) was big in Japan. So uh, moving on, and this might be quite a tricky one as well, but what would your perfect sort of day activity look like in Japan? So something you could just do in one day. Yeah, well, I guess recently I've been inspired uh, by my fellow American and and, uh, writer Craig Mode. And so Craig is famous for taking long walks. Mm. Yep. I don't take walks quite as long as him, you know, 30 or 40 (laughs) kilometers a day. But I guess instead of taking a train between locations in Tokyo, I might try to walk instead. Mm. And what I found is that walking in the big city like Tokyo, uh, you really discover details that you cannot see otherwise. Mm. And I've just discovered so many restaurants and shops and galleries that I would have never seen before uh, if I had not Mm. walked uh, from place to place. Tokyo has some really great uh, walking neighborhoods. So um, I'm going to make some recommendations. Yeah, yeah go do. for it. First, I would recommend Yanaka, uh, which is a, an area of Tokyo that uh, still has an atmosphere, which uh, we call the Showa era here in Japan, which is about uh, 50 to 60 years ago. Okay. The shops are very cute and owned by, uh, you know, uh, mom and pops. Uh, mm. And... Uh, the prices are, are quite low. 
or foods and things like that. Uh, it's a really fun area to explore and get, get a sense of what Tokyo might have been like, you know, 50 years ago. Yeah. Shimo Kitazawa is kind of a, a neighborhood that's home to uh, artists and musicians. It's, it's very popular with young people now uh, just to hang out, but there are also a lot of uh, vintage clothing shops and, and things of that nature, uh, great bars and, and restaurants as well. Cool. And uh, if you're looking for something a little more upscale, maybe a Montesando, uh, which is kind of a mix of modern architecture and uh, fashion boutiques, and also a great collection of many of Tokyo's best cafes. Excellent. Very, very good answer. So yeah. I think you've, you've basically got three different itineraries around Tokyo yeah. there, Mr. That's free uh, for the price of one. Excellent. And our last quick fire: Do you have a favorite museum or gallery? What, what's the one that you would suggest visitors go to? I think one of the best galleries, and I, I don't know if we can call it a gallery per se, but more like a collection of galleries, uh, is mm. the what we would call the art islands of the Shikoku Islands. Mm. So the Shikoku Island actually made the top of the list of places to travel to in 2022, mm. uh, recommended by, uh, it rhymes with only Flanet. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could absolutely say Lonely Planet, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but so anyway, the Shikoku was at the top of the list uh, in 2022. But of course, Japan was actually closed to foreign tourism until October. Yeah, of course, of yeah. course. So it yeah. was kind of a waste. Uh, and I think a lot of people didn't get to go there. Mm. But uh, Kagawa Prefecture on Shikoku Island has uh, many small islands that have these these little art galleries. Naoshima uh, Island, I guess, is one of the more famous ones. It has uh, many, many galleries on it. And so you can make, uh, you know a several day trip just island hopping to these different mm -hmm. islands uh, off of the, the coast of Shikoku and uh, just enjoying these many small galleries. What kind of art can you find inside them? A lot of the art is very uh, modern mm. and it's also very international. So you'll find art from artists all over the world. And uh, I think uh, many of your listeners may be familiar with the art of Yayoi Kusama. Of course, of and, course. Um, yeah. Many of her uh, art pieces are, are on display uh, out there uh, on the islands as well. Great. Her giant pumpkin with the polka dots, I think, is uh, one of the most famous pieces. Yeah, we, um, I think we spotlight her in Be More Japan, don't we? Yeah. In the first book, there's like a big spread with yeah. the pumpkin yeah, that's right. like, all over it as well. So if you're interested in reading more listeners, you can uh, <laughs> find, find, find it there. All right, Todd, there, there's some brilliant answers to the quickfire round there. Some amazing places to go. And it really gave us a bit of a feel for Japan as well. I'm going to blow it a bit further open now and um, ask you just uh, to give us some, some highlights in Japan that any listener just shouldn't miss, like if they were planning a trip tomorrow, as producer Julia is doing right now. Mm. So. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're visiting in summer, uh, which I think a lot of, of people do. I would definitely plan to attend uh, some sort of Japanese summer festival. Okay. So we have uh, uh, different festivals, like traditional festivals, such as uh, Bon Odori festivals, uh, and not so traditional, but but a lot of fun uh, fireworks festivals. And, uh, you know, fireworks festivals uh, occur all over Japan, uh, even in, in smaller cities. And they are just wonderful displays uh, of fireworks 
unlike anything that I've experienced, uh, even living in, in America. Amazing. You could attend a festival just about any weekend in July or August. Great. And I think attending a festival and being out with the, the crowds, it takes a little bit of courage to get out there with, with such a large <laughs> crowd, but you'll find that uh, it, it will be an experience that, that you won't forget. Do the festivals kind of differ locally depending on different areas? Are they, do they have like different themes and different kind of uh, vibes to them? Yeah, I, I mean, the, there are definitely, like in the summer, there are definitely specific types of festivals, uh, but they might have a different spin depending on the part of Japan you're in. So mm. even if you've come to Japan several times, it's always good, I think, to, to find a local festival to attend. And have you got any more highlights for our listeners, Todd? So anything else? Well, I definitely think that people visiting Japan should enjoy uh, an onsen hot spring experience. Yeah, yeah, of course. I know many people are reluctant to try it. Uh, it can be a bit of a culture shock, I think, uh, sharing mm. a, a bath with strangers. But I really encourage people to try it at least one time. Nowadays, there are, there are more and more uh, facilities around Japan that allow uh, visitors who have tattoos yes. to use the onsen. So that's a very good change from the past. Yeah, because that's fairly recent, isn't it? I think previously it was, wasn't it sort of designed to stop Yakuza members from using onsen? That's right. And I, I, I think uh, more and more Japanese facilities are understanding that there's a big difference between mm. yeah. those types of people and uh, tourists coming from overseas. So yep. they're becoming a lot more lenient about those things. That's good to hear. Yeah, so I would, would definitely try uh, an onsen. If you really can't share it with someone else, uh, there are many facilities that allow you to rent a private bath. Uh, again, this is perfect if, if you're a bit shy or even places that don't allow uh, tattoos in the public bath it would not have mm. the same restrictions for you if you use the private bath. So it's a great way to try the onsen. Okay, that's good to know. Would you have any advice on like kind of taking your first onsen? Like, um, you know, is there kind of a do's and don'ts? Do you need to be kind of sensitive to anything culturally? Oh, yeah, there's definitely a set of rules uh, that you mm. you need to follow when you when you go into onsen about how to prepare yourself before you go into the bath. And you have to be uh, completely clean before you actually go into the, the hot springs itself. So there's washing mm -hmm. areas and that sort of thing. But all of those rules are easily available now in English, uh, I think because so many visitors do want to try it. So it shouldn't be difficult for visitors to Japan to learn how to prepare to take uh, an onsen bath and, and to make a good experience of it mm. that's great and any other kind of must do things in japan one other thing i would encourage people to do is actually to make something so there are many traditional craft making experiences uh, offered in all over japan uh, for example you could do indigo dyeing or or make mm. uh washi paper there are ceramics uh, you can even make your own little bottle of soy sauce. Oh, lovely. Mm. And uh, I think, you know, this is just one of those those things that you can do in Japan where you can create a really unique memory and also um, mm. have kind of a handmade souvenir you can take home with you that's that's special. Yeah, that's lovely. What's the most memorable thing you've made, Todd? Recently, my wife and I participated in a workshop where we uh, did kind of the last stage of making a bottle of sake mm. and that was pretty unique uh, there's not a lot of places where you can actually do something like that so we 
we bottled our own sake and uh, brought it home. And uh, it was a fantastic way to uh, celebrate and in, uh, yeah. enjoy memories of our trip together. And was it was it good? Was what you made worth drinking? Well, <laughs> 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 next time I think I'll just buy <laughs> what <laughs> the shop offers. It's about the memories, yeah, Todd, yes, isn't it? Yeah, it's about it's the memories, memories it's, uh, that count. Yeah. Right? Todd, obviously there are so many diverse, beautiful landscapes to explore in Japan. You've got mountains, forests, coastline. If people want to get out of the cities and have more of an adventure, where should they go? That's a great question. I'm, I'm going to start with Tokyo since uh, I live in, in the Tokyo area. So mm-hmm. I think if from Tokyo, many people head uh, to the Shonan coastline, uh, about yeah. an hour and a half from Tokyo to uh, hit the beach. There's a lot of opportunities there for surfing or sunbathing or just even just people watching. And uh, one of the things that that's a real treat uh, from Shonan is that you might, on a nice day, get treated to a, an outstanding view of Mount Fuji oh. from the beach as well. Nice. If you prefer to go trekking or maybe head up to the mountains, there's a couple of great day trips uh, to some small mountains uh, from Tokyo. Uh, you can take a train only about an hour from central Tokyo and you can go to uh, Mount Takao in western Tokyo or Mount Oyama, which is in uh, the neighboring prefecture, Kanagawa, in the city of Isehara. And both of these mountains have uh, these really beautiful shrines on them that mm. uh, kind of destinations for as you uh, hike up the mountains. So uh, you get these this beautiful uh, forested trail, and you also get this nice uh, destination at the end where you can enjoy the view. Mm. If you are in the Osaka or Kyoto area, there's this village, it's almost like a dreamscape okay. called Kayabuki no Sato uh, in the Miyama area north of Kyoto City. And if you can imagine these beautiful thatched roof houses, this uh, village has the biggest collection of, of these traditional thatch roof houses in all of Japan. And it, it's, it really just looks like something right out of history, especially beautiful uh, during the fall season when, when the trees turn uh, autumn colors. Mm. And so I would recommend uh, heading up that way. But in, in general, I think if you purchase a Japan rail pass, you can take the Shinkansen bullet train many places and the bullet train can get quite far from the city in an hour or two. So almost anything can become a day trip uh, with with the mm-hmm. rail pass. Uh, and I encourage people to go out and explore, you know, some of these smaller cities or, or places. Yeah, you don't have to know a lot about them. Just hop on the train, go out there. And uh, the great thing about the Shinkansen is that it runs on a regular schedule. So you'll have no problems getting back to Tokyo or, or Osaka or Kyoto when you're done. And so just go out and explore. That's a great tip, yeah. I was going to ask about trains because obviously I mean, Japan is world famous for having great, an amazing rail network and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, and it's really it's so convenient and so easy with the rail pass because you know basically it's it's all you can travel for a, a, a given period of time, and so people should really uh, use it to its full extent. 
Mm. And it sounds very quiet as well, unless you're with Americans <laughs> in the carriage. Um, <laughs> obviously, don't hang out near Todd on the on the, <laughs> on the train. Um, is there somewhere you consider Japan's best kept secret that you're willing to share with listeners, Todd? So it's not so much of a secret as it is a misconception, and so I I kind of want to talk about Fukushima Prefecture here. Okay, Fukushima I think deserves a special mention uh, simply because. Whenever it's talked about in the Western media, it's always from a negative uh, perspective. Yes, and uh, I think first of all, Fukushima Prefecture is a very large prefecture that stretches from the mountains all the way to the coastline, and only a very small part of the prefecture was actually uh, affected by and even restricted uh, from the nuclear power plant disaster, mm. which happened in two thousand eleven. Second, I think a huge amount of effort has gone into the cleanup and rebuilding around the accidents area. Mm. Uh, in 2020, the closest towns to the accident were reopened for uh, residents to move back in. And, and that same year, the Great East Japan Earthquake and Nuclear Disaster Memorial Museum was opened. And it's just a few kilometers from the decommissioned plant. Oh, interesting. And so I was able to go on something called Hope Tourism Fukushima, uh, where I visited the museum and also other sites related to the disaster, uh, including uh, an elementary school, which was uh, destroyed by the tsunami. Uh, but but it, it actually uh, was good because the the staff and the students made some very smart choices and were able to evacuate mm. and got to high ground before the tsunami came. So there were no casualties at that school. But just being able to be out there and see that people are trying to return to that area. Uh, they're creating some art projects uh, to encourage the, the residents who are returning. But the area really does need tourism mm. to be able to fully recover. And a lot of people uh, shun Fukushima, uh, even places that were not affected by the disaster, simply because of the, the name yeah. association, right? And it's it's very unfair, I think. So you can go into the mountains. There's Aizu uh, Wakamatsu, which is a mountain castle town. That's a very rich samurai history and a beautiful castle. There's the uh, Bandai Azuma Skyline, which is a scenic mountain drive. It has some of the most beautiful autumn foliage landscape uh, for a, an area in Japan. And the, the Soma Nomaoi Festival, which is a, a unique thousand-year-old festival that features wild horses. And mm -hmm. these are really special things that you can only see in Fukushima. And people are really missing out if, if they don't go there because they're afraid or because they've heard some misinformation about Fukushima. So I just want to encourage listeners, you know, it's it's quite easy to get to Fukushima using the Japan Rail Pass and taking the Shinkansen. So please uh, explore Fukushima and uh, see that it's, it's just a really beautiful place and it has a lot to offer. Yeah, it sounds it. That's a really good point, Todd. I think I think a lot of the time people associate headlines with certain places rather than actually looking beyond it into what can be experienced there. So it's a really lovely note to end this section on. Mm -hmm. And now let's take a quick look at some of the present of Japan, given it's only just reopened quite recently, and what visitors can expect in the future too. <music> 
Japan is a land of contrast. Think tranquil zen gardens and peaceful pagodas, neon-drenched cities and futuristic robot restaurants. Whatever your dream trip entails, your DKI Witness Japan guide is the perfect companion. Find DKI Witness Japan in your local bookshop or via the link in our episode bio. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So Todd, and we touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, it's only quite recently that restrictions have been lifted and visitors are now able to freely travel around Japan. Are you noticing tourism coming back in full force? Oh, yes. We definitely saw uh, that tourism is back in full force, especially around cherry blossom season this year. Mm, of course. Mm. But unfortunately, it seems that tourists have reverted to their old habits. Okay. And so the big cities, the, the major destinations like Tokyo, Kyoto, and Osaka, you know, are still receiving the bulk of foreign visitors. And even some places like Mount Fuji are already experiencing uh, the effects of over-tourism. And mm. there's, there's actually been some restrictions uh, that had to be put in place for the number of hikers uh, climbing Mount Fuji recently. I guess as a writer, you know, I'm focused on off-the-beaten-path destinations. Mm. So I really want to encourage listeners to get out uh, to the smaller cities and the, the countryside and to really experience the full extent of what Japan has to offer. Because I guess I'm um, slightly touching on how you're talking about in the last section with Fukushima as well. Um, you know, other areas of Japan will need tourism. It's, it's helpful to help local economies, but also, I guess, places have been closed for the past couple of years as well. So whereas over-tourism coming back is a problem for the bigger sites, actually, some some places have had to deal with no tourism or... I don't know if there's been like kind of a lot of domestic tourism in the last couple of years, but... Yeah, fortunately in Japan, I think domestic tourism helps sustain um, a lot of places. Uh, I think the places that have suffered the most are those who really catered to foreign tourists. Um, mm. And we're seeing that, I think, a lot in that uh, a lot of facilities that used to have staff that spoke different languages like English or, or other languages uh, lost those resources uh, because of the, the pandemic. And mm. they're still struggling, I think, to find resources uh, to support other languages. So, Todd, obviously you've mentioned summer briefly and you've mentioned cherry blossom season. When is the best time to visit, would you say? Well, I guess it depends on what you consider the best time to visit. So... Mm. Uh, I think for the best weather, uh, probably late March to late May uh, or late September to late November. 
so basically spring and fall uh, yeah. are the best times for weather uh, in Japan. But of course, because the weather is so nice, uh, they can get quite crowded too. Mm. Yeah. And also in early May, Japan has something called Golden Week, which mm. the entire country has off and it feels like the entire country is traveling during that <laughs> week. So I don't recommend that first week in, in May for okay. uh, visitors to come to Japan. Uh, That's good to know. It can be <laughs> quite hectic already with domestic tourists. Things are uh, pretty much fully booked and mm. very expensive. Uh, so avoid that week. So if you want to avoid crowds, if you want uh, maybe to come in the off season, I, I kind of recommend early September, maybe after the, the kids have returned to school. The weather is still nice. It's it's the tail end of of the typhoon season, but generally there's not much typhoon action, not a lot of rain that that period. So and uh, September is nice, and uh, December to March is winter mm-hmm. in Japan. It's still a great time to come, especially if you love winter sports. Japan has great uh, powder snow for yeah. people who love to ski or snowboard. Mm. Again, the only time I might avoid in that period is around the New Year's uh, holiday, uh, because uh, New Year's in Japan is is kind of like a Christmas holiday in the in the West. There's a lot of uh, family related gatherings and and things are closed, so it, it can be a little bit difficult for visitors during that time. Sure. Great stuff. And I mean, for listeners, um, Japan is quite an expensive country to visit. It's one of the most expensive countries in the world. Do you have any sort of top tips for travelers on a budget? Sure. Um, actually, I, I think it's almost a misconception at this point that Japan is one of the most expensive countries in the world. Mm. Especially recently, the yen is weak against foreign currencies. Mm. And uh, inflation has been very low in Japan uh, for decades now. And so in some ways, Japan seems much cheaper than other first world nations. I know when we uh, go back to visit uh, family and friends in America, it's always a relief to come back to Japan because (laughs) the things in America have gotten so expensive recently. Of course, when you eat out in Japan, uh, there's no tipping. Mm. And uh, the tax is often included in the price that you see on the menu. Uh, when you go out to eat in America, when you add the tax and tip, it can easily add 30% uh, oh, yeah. to what you yeah, see on the menu. So, so no surprises there. So, yeah, I think right now, in particular, Japan just doesn't feel that expensive. It's, it's quite a bargain for some people. Mm. Now, that said, uh, if if you're on a budget, you want to save some money. Uh, the cities, of course, are always more expensive yeah. uh, than the rural areas. So I'm going to pound on this point some more and say get off the beaten track and and out into the the rural areas. There are many ways that you can enjoy rural areas such as uh, farm stay experiences or or, uh, family-owned guest houses uh, that are very affordable and they often include home-cooked meals, which I think Mm. are the best meals you can get in Japan. Amazing. And and speaking of, of food and eating out. I I think people often feel like they need to go to these very expensive restaurants in Japan and have this this really great meal. But 
the quality of food, even at modest restaurants, is pretty high in Japan.、Mm. Uh, I don't think you'd be disappointed eating at, at a moderately priced restaurant.、Mm. Uh, so don't feel like you have to splurge on every meal. And if you do want to splurge,、um, I recommend if they offer a lunch menu, that you should do a lunch rather than a dinner because the lunch menu in Japan is, is a fraction of the cost of the dinner menu. And、ah. maybe the selection is smaller or、uh, you know, the portion's smaller, but you're going to get the same quality meal、uh, at, at the same restaurant. So that's one great way to save some money if you're eating out and you'd like to eat something nice. Yeah, that's really good to know. That's a great tip. Thanks, Todd. So, just to wrap us up, Todd, so one final question for you. This season, we're particularly thinking about how travel can benefit the local community. And you've touched on this in some parts, but what are the best ways to support the local community, would you say, when visiting Japan? Yeah, so I've been working on、uh, some what we call sustainable tourism projects recently.、Mm. And, and、mm. part of the sustainable tourism concept in Japan is how can tourism contribute to sustaining local economies and also、yeah. uh, traditions? Because in many places in Japan,、uh, traditions are, are dying out. And this is because,、uh, as you know, the, the population of Japan is aging.、Mm. Uh, there are fewer and fewer、uh, young people、uh, being born. And so you have these artists、uh, and craftspeople、uh, who are getting upwards in age, and they have nobody to take over their work,、mm. uh, yeah. partly uh, because. There are fewer young people in Japan, and partly because young people can't see a future. They can't see how they can make a living、uh, mm. doing these things.、Mm. So it's really important. Tourism plays such a huge role in sustaining these traditions by bringing tourists out to these areas where they're, they're doing these traditional crafts、um, and making. It's possible for people to make a living、uh, doing these types of crafts. And so, again, the, the first and foremost thing that people can do to help is to get off the beaten path, to get out to the rural areas, to get out to the small cities. When you have a choice,、uh, you know, avoid the chain stores, the re- chain、mm-hmm. restaurants, hotels, and choose the local,、yeah. the local businesses. And of course, small businesses and service providers. If you're taking a tour, for example,、um, you could go out to one of the big、uh, websites right now and book an experience tour somewhere.、Um, uh, but it might be with a big company.、Uh, mm-hmm. But yet there are so many small tourist service providers out there.、Uh, and a lot of them are offering really innovative services that you won't find. Uh, if you just go out and click on the first thing you find、uh, you know, on, on、yeah. the big websites. So, you know, do a little work, a little search, and you'll probably find some really interesting things、uh, in the areas that you're going to visit.、Mm. That's great advice. Yeah. Put in some research, kind of find those interesting things, and it'll probably make your trip richer as well in terms of like doing something a bit different, finding something different to the, the kind of normal expectation of Japan, too, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, and I've just met、uh, some really amazing people, some really amazing entrepreneurs who are, who are trying to do、uh, these unusual and innovative things in, in Japan. And I feel that they really need to be encouraged by, by having、uh, tourists come and support what they're doing. 
and and that's the only way they're going to survive that's a brilliant note to end on todd so i think um you've given us a really fantastic snapshot of japan and um yeah it's been it's been a real pleasure to have you on the podcast thank you so much todd oh my pleasure thank you So thanks once again to Todd. What a fantastic guest. I think we said it at the start of the episode, Zoe, but it's like, it's so difficult to get the whole of Japan into one episode. Yeah, yeah. I thought Todd gave it a good go. Absolutely. And hopefully, listener, you've got plenty of food for thought to plan that all-important trip to Japan. So if you want to kind of um, follow some of Todd's work, you can do so at peraperapera.net and voyapon.com. And obviously, you know, all listeners should look out for that new edition of Be More Japan coming. When is it coming, Zoe? It's March 2024, so not long away. Not that far away at all. And well done, Zoe. Your first time hosting the podcast. How did you find it? Yeah, it was great. It's great to join you, James. Really enjoyed your company today. Thanks. So until next time, it's goodbye from me, listener. And goodbye from me. And we shall see you very soon. Where to Go is a podcast from DK Witness. It was produced by Julia Baker, presented by Zoe Rutland and James Atkinson with the help of Bella Talbot. For more information about DK Witness, follow us on social media at DK Witness or visit dk.com forward slash eyewitness. Please like and follow the show. And if you have time, leave a review. Your support means so much to us. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 